Hey guys, Mike here from Office of CISO, and today we have Jordan Franklin from Stratus, and we're going to be talking about the cybersecurity shortage and, and what folks can do to help solve that. So stay tuned. All right, guys. So unless you've been living under a rock or, you know, not paying attention to the world that's around you, it is painfully obvious that we have a fairly drastic cybersecurity shortage in the world, right? So according to ISC Square right now, we are sitting at about 3.4 million outages, shortages, butts that aren't in the seat. And that is a pretty big deal when you have to have organizations protect all their assets. Yeah, not the right butts in the right seats. Yeah, we're hiring bad people right now. Right. Just to get warm spots and seats. That way we can say that we have folks filling roles, right? So the good news is we have Jordan Franklin from Stratus here with us today, and Stratus happens to be a pretty big consulting firm that does staffing and, you know, basically doing what we're talking about, right? Filling roles that need to be filled, especially when it comes to cybersecurity. So I'm going to let Jordan tell us a little bit about herself as well as the company, and then from there we can dive in to the questions. So... Yeah, thanks, thanks. So um, we call it a concierge staffing firm or concierge IT consulting firm. Um, we work hand in hand with the hiring managers and and uh, companies to make sure that their positions are filled, like I said earlier, with the right butts in the right seats. Um, you don't want just any random button seat, right? You need someone right. competent. Right, someone competent. Not necessarily that they have all the skills that they might list out as the perfect skill set for that position, but that they're the right person that can have the aptitude or the gumption to um, really fulfill that job order or that position in the future. Um, I've always called it a staffing stew. Real quick, gumption is a new thing that Stratus is coming out with. Yeah. It is going to help put the proper butts in the proper seats. This is not a sponsored video by any means, but if you are like me and you work in state, local, or federal government or a major organization, the biggest thing what we fight with is getting the quality people in the seats that need to be there, right? Yeah. And Gumption is going to help with that. So that's kind of like a, a unpaid plug for something that I actually believe in. I think they're doing a great job with it, and I look forward to seeing it in the works. Stay tuned for that in January 2023. Yeah. Absolutely, so. absolutely. So, and then um, me as a person, um, mother of three, wife um, to Scott, um, our CEO, a COO at uh, Stratus, and um, and then I'm the CEO of Stratus. So, I've been at Stratus for um, almost six years since 2017, um, but in the staffing uh, world since 2011. So, and that, that's actually how we met, right? So, yeah, absolutely. My whole background is state government for the most part outside of the industry that I did before. Yeah. And I had the opportunity to meet Jordan while filling roles. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You mean that, uh, the role that you put me in. Yep. Yeah. I recruited you into state government. That's what you mean, right? <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, so that's, uh, kind of like a short and sweet about my background, but cool. yeah. So, that's so, nice. uh, tell us a little bit about Stratus. You're, you're actually a fairly large company, especially to be so new. You guys have grown yep. exponentially over the years, and your your whole focus is putting the proper butts in the proper seats and helping yeah. people do, right? So Yeah, so we're a concierge staffing firm. We go at it a little bit differently than other staffing firms. We make sure that we are working hand-in-hand -hand with the hiring managers to make sure that their job orders are 
um, if they're not written correctly by HR, that we understand and pick and pull what is in the gray area um, and really understand what they're looking for to have mm -hmm. on their team um, and build that out and then understand what their strategic vision is, year one, year three, year five, and where we're going with that so that we can find who the right person is for that job. So that's the reason why we call it a concierge staffing firm. Um, a lot of staffing firms um, go out there and really throw uh, resumes over the fence, right? They're like, okay, this is the job order you gave me. They're seeing here's, what sticks. Right, what's yep. going to stick? This job order you gave me, here's all the resumes. Like, what's going to stick um, to the wall? And let's go from there. And then we take it one step further and we say, we want to know your team. We need to know your culture. We need to know where we're going with this. And how are we going to get there? And then we help them devise a workflow. A lot of times that's some of their problem. We devise a workflow to hire the right person. Awesome. In a timely manner. So as you guys can see, we have someone that's actually got firsthand experience with the issue, uh, both in a filling role, but also in the developing of the role so that you can get the right applicants anyways. So if you're looking to get into cybersecurity or you're looking to become an ethical hacker or anything like that, this is certainly a video you probably want to pay attention to because this is going to let you know the, uh, the hardships that not only the organization that's looking for folks are experiencing, but also the applicants themselves, right? So we're going to jump right in with the questions. We're going to kind of rapid fire them, see if they take us down any rabbit holes, and we'll go from there, right? Okay. So first things first, you know, what hardships are you seeing uh, for applicants specifically while they're trying to land cybersecurity roles? You know, it's like, you know, I am Mike Pruitt. I want to become a cybersecurity engineer for anybody. I just want to get my foot in the door. What, what hardships are you seeing them experience? Yeah, so I think there's there's a number of things, right? So I think I think a lot of the times the job description is written by HR, non-cybersecurity. It almost always is written by someone that knows nothing about IT. Right, nothing about IT, non-cybersecurity. So there's a lot of gray area in that job order. Um, so, like, you've got to go and flush out that gray area, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then I also think that the job applicant is maybe not the best person at writing their resume. Um, well, to be fair, resumes are hard to write anyways. They are hard to write. They teach courses on it. They they do. They also have companies like ours that don't cost the applicant anything to help them with that, right? Mm -hmm. And flesh out, hey, you're going for X, Y, and Z position. Let's maybe tailor your resume for X, Y, and Z position. Because you have those skills, you're just not highlighting them. Um, and so, like, there's those kind of things. And then I also think, like, um, I mean, there's a myriad of things, but I think those are probably two of the biggest ones, right? The job Largest. descriptions are normally not written by a cybersecurity person. And then you have your um, applicants that are probably not the strongest writers. Which will be a detriment for them if they go into a GRC role, but for cybersecurity engineering, SOC analysts, things like that. Right. You don't really have to write that well. Right. That good, that well. Yeah. Yeah. Grammar. But like in a GRC mm -hmm. role, like you said, you expect those resumes to be more well put together. Mm -hmm. And that kind of lends themselves to a recruiter going, okay, this resume is really well put together. They're probably good at what they do. And then us calling them and saying, hey, I really like what you have here. This is why. X, awesome. Y, and Z, what do you, you know, I'm going to ask you questions about it. Yeah. 
So to flip that question on its head a little bit, I mean, you know, we talk about the hardships of the applicants. What are the hardships that you see hiring organizations when it comes to getting a quality position or a quality butt in their position seat? And you kind of led on to it about HR writing the, the job description or right. the posting, right? That's, right. That's usually what sets them behind the curve. That sets them behind the curve and then also not having the proper workflow. So when I get a resume as a hiring manager, like mm-hmm. I'm hiring manager, when I get the resume, what do I do with it? Like, where does it go? What's your pers- my... Your perspective is slightly different than most other hiring managers, though. Right. You happen to know what you're talking about. Yeah. Right. So where am I going with it? Like, what's my workflow? Like, do I have this device? Like, I was working with a, a large organization the other day, and I sat there, and I and I said, okay, do you want us to set up the interviews? We'll put them on your calendar. We'll set them. We'll start them. We'll be on it to make sure that the person is there and... And then if they're not, we'll be there to, like, make sure that they get on. Like, if there's any issues, right? Like, we're You fill there. the gap. You help bridge right. their lack of knowledge. Absolutely. And, which is what more organizations need because traditional HR does not know. In no. fact, traditional HR will get frustrated because the average cybersecurity salary right now is roughly 130, 135 grand a year right now. Yeah. And we're making those you know, that income without having a master's or a PhD. And if Lord knows I work in higher ed, if you don't have a, not even without having a degree, but in hiring organizations, they're looking at folks that you don't have a master's Michael Pro. Why should I pay you that much money? It's like, because my experience in cybersecurity is worth a lot more than your master's in liberal arts. Yeah. Well, and I also think like the, the workflow if it's not devised from the beginning, it slows it down so much mm-hmm. that the hiring manager gets frustrated, the candidate gets frustrated, it looks bad on the company, it looks bad on us as Stratus, and then, then the candidate will back out and go take something else because, Absolutely. hey, this company doesn't have their their stuff together, and why am I going to go work for them? Why am I going to interview six times with you? Yeah, there's no reason. So that being said... You want to make sure that all of that is fleshed out from from our standpoint, right? All of that is fleshed out on the hiring manager side before you get candidates to their door. Absolutely. So that kind of that kind of transitions us to our next question, which you've you've kind of alluded to, right? Is uh, what is Stratus specifically doing to help uh, facilitate or bridge the gap or make life easier for both applicants and and hiring organizations. So, because yeah. at the end of the day, you know, I'm hiring bad people to get butts in the seats. What are you guys doing to help make life easier for me as a hirer, mm-hmm. both as office of CISO or as a state agency or a federal agency? Yeah. And then if I was looking for a job, right? Yeah. I need help. Help me, Jordan. Help me. <laughs> so I think obviously on the on the hiring manager side or the company side, our client side, we help them with setting the workflow and getting all of that kind of thing together. But on the candidate side, we make sure that they understand expectations, manage those expectations with them under, you know, Hey, you're going after a state agency or a federal position. Like it's going to take longer. We've got to be patient. Like we're going to manage those expectations, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You're going after this position with this large client that might take longer than a startup. Right. So we want to make sure all of those things are taken care of. Um, but then also, um, you know, 
We have other programs that we have internally that we make sure that our candidates are taken care of too. Because concierge does not just mean that we're concierge to our clients. We're also concierge to our candidates because we want them to be in the right spot that they want to stay and that that's the right home for them because we're not successful unless they're successful. So Absolutely. That would be, that's kind of where we stand in the middle um, and help both sides. Awesome. I mean, we do, we do negotiations and everything. We sit in um, direct hire negotiations. So you handhold both sides. You handhold not only the applicant, but the organization um, probably because it's, at yeah. this point it's kind of necessary, right? Yeah. We're your wingman, right? So you go to and a bar and you, the hiring manager and the recruiter needs a wingman. I mean, the hiring manager and the uh, candidate needs a wingman. We're the one going in between. You're going to help me pick parties. up girlfriends. Is that exactly, what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. I can live with that. Yeah. So Jordan, one of the biggest things is, you know, high schools, higher education, the institutions that are supposed to help us get better in life that usually fail, what can they do to actually provide a benefit when it comes to getting into cybersecurity and doing yeah. things that we should? Yeah, I think I think a lot of the times they fail because there's so much red tape to stay up with IT, right? So if they were more if they could be more successful if it didn't take so much to get credit courses so what, when you say red tape are you implying that it is evolving too fast or are you saying that it evolves faster H- than the educational system? which we know which higher ed needs to do a better job high school absolutely need to do a better job. yeah k through 12 yeah absolutely so um i would say internally to start us we have a fuse program that we've been trying to get out there and work with um state, local education, um, and then also, like, higher ed um, so that we can work with them and do, like, apprenticeship programs and internship programs and take those students and create, like, a little ecosystem of students that can go out and do projects um, that maybe RFPs, federal, state RFPs, um, where they can learn on those projects and learn alongside a SME or a senior level staff. So that could be cyber, that could be devs, that could be, you know, learning how to technically write those RFPs, like all of those things. So um, are you implying that you're big on people actually getting real world experience? Absolutely. I think whether it be high school or college. Yeah. And I think a lot of the big agency, uh, the big private and public sector need to do away with some of some of the higher ed requirements for some positions. Some positions do require it, right? I and have, it's good. I know where you're going with this. I have never met an ethical hacker that had a master's or a PhD. No. Actually, I've never met a hacker in general. That have any of Gray it. or white or black. It doesn't matter, right? They're tinkerers. They like to play. Yeah, and they taught them. It's self-taught. Or, or they learned it from someone sitting next to them and doing it. Absolutely. But they didn't just sit there and read it out of a book. They didn't get a four-year degree on how to no. pop a phone system. No, no. So, like, that, those are the things that you've got to look into, right? So, like, especially in IT, like, we have a doctoral program for doctors, right? Because they're tinkerers. They want to do and see and play and understand, right? Sometimes where they shouldn't. Why don't we have that t- type of program for IT, mm-hmm. right? And, I mean, that could start in high school. 
hypothetically, if you're paying them, it really needed to start around 16. So that legal issues. Um, but, yeah. um, but I could start right then. Um, there's a program in, in Arkansas. Um, they live up there. They're Razorbacks. I don't hold it against them, though right. I should as an Auburn fan. There's a school in Arkansas in Bentonville, um, and they graduate um, last year. They had the top 11 students in cybersecurity came from that one school. They only had – I'm going to botch the numbers, so if they're watching this, I'm very sorry, but I think they only had 20 graduates in cybersecurity, and 11 of them were the top cybersecurity students. Yeah, so, I mean, like, those type of things need to happen – Across the U.S., though, for us to fill a gap mm-hmm. of 3.5 million jobs, right? And that's just right now. And as we right. grow and population slows down, it's going to get worse. Absolutely, because you're not taking into consideration the doctors that don't think about their cybersecurity or um, other industries that aren't even taking into consideration their cybersecurity right now. Like, at one point in time, um, law groups were the easiest way to infiltrate large organizations, right? Because they weren't Going locking down, they weren't locking down their systems. That makes sense. So cyber hackers were going through the law groups. The people that have attorney-client privilege are the ones getting hacked. Therefore, right. it's no longer a privilege, right? Right, right, right. Yeah. So they were getting hacked, um, and then they were going into the large organizations and getting all the data from those large organizations and pulling it down. So like, all of that kind of stuff has to come full circle. You're gonna have, you're gonna see that happen with small doctor's offices and things like that. The if people they that don't, don't have IT staff, they don't know anything about HIPAA other than, yeah, it's my patient data. I need to keep it safe. Right. It's my patient data. I need to keep it safe. And, but they don't know um, how. Right. But I'm making sure my clients are healthy. Allegedly. Right. So, like, those kind of things are going to be where we have the faults. Right. Yeah. So, cool. um, so 3.5 million is just an estimate. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, an est- it's a rough estimate based by... Uh, ISC Square, which yeah. it's a company that I respect because I have their cert, you know. So uh, the federal government, the uh, World Economic Forum, or whoever, you know, all the global powers to be, they very well may have a different one. But that's that's a pretty good estimate. You hear that multiple places, and I don't know if it's because multiple places are referencing that one study. Yeah. But, you know, three and a half million shortages, that's a big-ass shortage. It's a big shortage. And, I mean, you could do, you know, upskilling. Or you can take um, vets. There's a vet program where um, Skillbridge. There's a vet program called Skillbridge where mm-hmm. they have, you know, the last six months, four to six months of them working active duty, they can go work for an organization and learn a new skill, right? Um, DOD pays for it. Mm-hmm. Um, pays for those four to six months until Anytime they're Anytime you can get sponsorship funding, yep. it helps. Yeah. So you can, you can do those kind of things. But that is... You've, we've got to think larger, right? Like, we've got to think next generation. How are we going to make sure the next generation is ready for this? And then we're going to swing so far one way that we need to swing the other way with, like, developer. What else comes after cybersecurity? Um, well, so, so like that, all that stuff. That's, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty good angle. So, you know, we're sitting here talking about what can people do to get into roles, what can organizations do to help find roles. Are there specific industries... And I'm not talking, you know, so cybersecurity in general, as you know, is a industry, at least from us, from a career path. Right. But organizations like health, mechanical, uh, engineering, well, that's probably mechanical. 
I is dumb. Retail, I, you know, everything that you look at, right? Yeah. Which industry do you see getting impacted the most by things like this? Is it is it state government not being able to secure their SCADA environments and all that shit? Or? So m- my answer would be anyone that doesn't want to change, but I know Gray where hairs, you want to go. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. So anyone that's reluctant to change. But um, I think that your an- the best answer would be like those um, in like – health insurance, um, those in, uh, in food production, a lot of those. You're talking like, and we're not saying that this is a company, but like food production, Cisco food manufacturing. Oh yeah. Yeah. Tyson's food food uh, manufacturing. Food production would be like chewy, all of them because, because they're so hardcore on being on site because a lot of their stuff has to be on site. Right. right? Their people have to be there. They have to test it on site. You're going to see the same thing with like electric car companies, manufacturing companies. A lot of those manufacturing companies, which would be food production, so let's just call them manufacturing. The same, companies. the same, the same line of thought. Yeah. Right. So we can just call all of that manufacturing companies because they're manufacturing something. They all have to be on site so much that cybersecurity people don't want to always have to be there. So Unless they have to be there. We're in a situation because obviously uh, the pandemic played a big role in help opening, in helping open the eyes of a lot of legacy organizations when it comes to things like, you know, remote work and things like that. Now, obviously, as a cybersecurity professional, I can pretty much write my resume, send it out and get a job anywhere working from Pike Road, Alabama, where my cost of living is very low. I yeah. could do work for a company in California and make more than I would here, but less than they would have to pay someone there. So we we have an issue with organizations modernizing or becoming okay with that. Well, I think you have an an issue with the organizations understanding how to modernize the portion that has to be on site. So You mean we need more than line workers on site or we don't need more than line workers on site? Right. Right. And wouldn't that free up more people to upscale, upscale to the new, you know, the cybersecurity need? You mean I could pay you less to work somewhere else, but work for me? No, I could pay you more to not work on a line to be in cybersecurity. I'm not sweating on a line. Or I could pay you, oh, you're making 35,000. But you have an aptitude. (laughs) I can pay you 30, you know, you're making 35,000. I can pay you 40. Because you have the aptitude to, uh, you know, of engineering. Mm-hmm. Hypothetical, right? And I can upskill you to now be, you know, a installation automation engineer. Yeah. Or whatever that is, let's figure out how to take those people that are on the line and then and move them to other positions where we have enough people for the positions we really need and put machines or automation into the positions we can automate and then free up the people chat gpt will be building your stuff and your burgers and everything and soon all ai but um i think that you could definitely you know take someone from the line that has the aptitude figure out how to test for that aptitude um i'm sure there's tests out there i just haven't really um done a whole lot of research on that test for that aptitude and put them into the right positions right and then we make those manufacturing companies not not feel so bad about, hey, these people have to be on site. So we're going to make everyone on site. Yeah. Right? 
And then now we're pulling back from that, and now you now HR doesn't really have a reason for everyone to be on site. They always have a reason. Let's 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 say they manage to get past the application role. They get mm-hmm. past the interview. Mm-hmm. Are cybersecurity folks are they ex- are organizations expecting them to um, or their roles? Are they expecting the roles that folks fill to encompass more and more fields of expertise, or are they are they looking more so for like pigeonhole? Like you is sim guy, you do sim well, you you sim it. So this so. is going to really depend on what type of organization you want to work for, right? So like Let if it, you want to be a... The, break them out though. Break right. them out for it. Yeah. So if you want to be a sniper and you really want to ha- be in a niche person, right? Niche or niche? How do you say it? You say a niche. Niche. I say a niche. So... Um, you say a niche or you say a niche? We have people off camera. So, so that is going to be like a large organization. You're going to have a... Uh, Silo is such a bad word, but you're going to have... Silo a is a bad word, but it's a word that exists for very specific reasons, my man. Yeah, you're going to ha- you're gonna be, you're going to go in, you're going to know what you're doing every day, that's what you're doing, and you're going to be fantastic at really it. Really good at patching. Really good. Really good at patching. Really good, right? But that's all you're going to do. Um, And then you're... If you want to wear, like, the coat of many colors and be a person that knows absolutely everything, then uh, you should probably find, like, a medium to small business. Because they're going to have, like... Or a startup. Or a startup. It's going to expect a lot of you, which is going to be stressful. And a lot of time. And you're... damn if you won't be good at what you do. Right. And you might want to ask for maybe, like, a little bit of, like... Alternate compensation, right? So stock options. Comp packages are also like a different way of like. I mean, you can be really, really creative in comp packages. Um, there's always RSUs, comp, you know, stock options, RSUs. Um, RSUs would be restricted stock options. Thank you for um, blaming, and, including me. Uh, and then you have like signing bonuses because then they only have to pay it to you once, right? You have, um, you know, lots of different options that you can add in. So you always want to look at the full comp and not just the salary. From a professional development and a growth standpoint, right? One of the, these folks care about their ability to get hired. Yeah. And to progress. Yeah. So like from a professional development and a growth standpoint, do certificates matter? And if so, which ones do you actually care about? Me personally. Yeah. Before you answer, yep. I don't trust anybody with a CCNA. I don't trust anybody with a CCMP. I don't trust anybody with a certified ethical hacker because all those tests are relatively easy to test on. So if those were some of your questions, I'm going to go ahead and apologize. Mm-hmm. But you have things like the SSCP, the CISSP, you know, ISC squared certs, and you do have some various other ones that are not trash. Yeah. What... Do certs matter? So it really depends on what industry. We'll go through them. Federal government. Yes. Absolutely matter. Why? Um, because they are not flexible. Because they have. They so, have requirements per job description. Mm-hmm. And they actually had someone write their job descriptions that wasn't HR. Yep. So the federal so, government requires something called 8570, 8570 yep. plus, And what those require yep. are uh, security certificates. And or 
operating system certificates. So yep. you can have your SSCP from a security standpoint, your Security Plus, but you also have to have a CCNA. Yeah. Or if at the time when I worked for the government, you definitely have to have blue code. Yeah. You know, shit like that. Yeah. Yep. So, so state government. Um, a little more flexible, right? So a lot of the times a hiring manager is writing those job descriptions. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes state personnel, if it's a direct hire position to the state, but not always, right? Yeah. I've written a lot of state positions, job That's orders. how I matter, state. Um, so it really depends, right, um, on how flexible the hiring manager is going to be. So you okay. really need to have that conversation with the hiring manager. But a lot of the times they're going to want some sort of certification, um, and they're going to have no budget. Yeah. Yeah, like none. What about local and county and tribal? Um, they're going to be on the same it's gonna be, base. It's yeah. going to be even worse in it's state, It's going to be right? even worse in state, yeah. Okay. So they're going to be lower. A lot of the times they'll be a little bit more willing to maybe pay for the training. We call it uh, Bob, balling on a budget. Yeah. And that's what local and yeah, hell, a lot of state governments are doing that right now. Yeah. So, like, I mean, they'll be a little bit more wi- willing to go get you, like, those specific trainings mm-hmm. to help right? with your specific job requirement or... right yeah um now if you're going to go into private sector a lot of the times you can come in and say well i have the aptitude to do x y and z and really oh, yeah. show that you have the personality for it and really know that you're going to do well and kind of be not kind of be really a little cocky about it mm-hmm. um Cocky. And come in pretty confident and know really where you're going and what you want to do about it, right? Um, and they'll have money or training dollars and things like that. And if you don't have that training and you don't have those things, like, go in when the, at the offer and say, okay, look, if the offer is even what you want, but go in at the offer. Always ask for more. And always ask for more. It's a negotiation. At least, at least say, The worst okay, thing to say is no. Yeah. Absolutely. If you're, you're a qualified candidate, they're not going to be like, I'm not going to hire you now because you wanted 10 grand in bettering your education to make your job better for me. Right. <laughs> right. And I always look at other things that aren't like, like continue in education a yearly, but um, always look at other things that like make your comp package for the year that you're starting with them the best. Right. Um, so maybe a signing bonus. Um, something, you know, something with no Jerry strings McGuire. attached. Show something, me the money. Right, but you want no strings attached to a signing bonus, So you can right? leave. So you can leave. Right. That puts the company at a disadvantage because, you know, they better keep you happy. Yeah, I mean, so you want to look at, like, things like that, right? So a signing bonus, a, a reload package if they want you to reload. Um, well, so all different about, things. How about this? You work for an organization. Let's say you're a... You are a help desk technician. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're a customer service rep that works in IT. Mm-hmm. What do you do to move up? Well, I definitely think you have to raise your hand and say, hey, I think I can do X, Y, and Z, and this is where I want to go, and this is my business plan. You mean you right? want to ask for more responsibility? Absolutely. I know that hurts. Um, I know it hurts. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're going to oh, – I'm going to make the same money to do more, but that builds rapport. Make sure Wait. people know that you know what the hell you're doing. You can. Why are up. you making the same money? Because uh, no, so like if you're at a help desk, you're like, you know, I, I hold on. 
Don't let her sales tactics get you. So, no, I'm just kidding. So when you're working for an organization, you're at a help desk role, right? Mm-hmm. Most I want to move up to cybersecurity. So you start doing reports or something that might have a cybersecurity-specific nature to them. Yes. It's outside of your normal job description, right? But it proves yes. that you have aptitude. It shows the people that you're working for that you're not just a desk jockey that's sitting there doing tickets, closing, opening, resolving, doing your thing, routing. Yeah. yeah. When in doubt, route it out. No, no. You're a security professional. You just haven't been given the role yet, Right. So, so usually you, you want a promotion, you got to do a little bit more than what your job expects. Okay, I agree with that. So you could also say net wor- your net work is your net worth, right? So what she's saying is not necessarily what you know, but it's who you know to help you into those positions. Absolutely, yeah. So like you want to make relationships with the people that. that you want to help you into those new jobs, right? So like... Let's say you're in help desk and you really want to get into network engineering or networking, period, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you want to make a relationship with, let's just say, the director of networking um, or whoever that person is in your organization. It really depends on how large of an organization you're working for, what that title is. Okay, so let, like, let's take titles aside. But... Um, Really get in with that person and and let them know your intentions. That's, you know, like my intention is to be on your team. How do I do that? And I can actually full heartedly agree. One of my favorite groups to hire from are usually help desk roles. Yeah, because you can hire someone from a help desk role. And they're used to you know I'm going to work these tickets. Oh, it's desktop support. I'm over it. Those are the same people that will be more than happy to look at logs as a SOC analyst and get their feet wet and learn about cybersecurity and absolutely. further progress themselves, right? Yep. So, Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like, that's, like, the per- perfect first entry in, right? And then they can progress the- their way up. But, like, you've got to figure out who has the right personality to be on your team as a hiring manager, right? I'm, you don't have to take everyone in that want, comes to you and says, I want to be on your team. Absolutely. absolutely. I'll go ahead and tell you. I spent it. So I used to work for the uh, Office of Information Technology for a major state organization. And I spent a lot of time in the help desk just schmoozing with the techs to find out who they knew, what they knew. And, you know, you kind of fill them out. Yeah. It's like, mm, you're not going to be a good fit because you're flaky. And flaky is bad in cybersecurity. Yeah. You got to be ready for it. Last question, and then I will let you go to dinner. I okay. appreciate your time. <laughs> Are you personally seeing cybersecurity roles either remain unfilled or stay vacant? And if so, are there patterns tied to it re- regarding like geography, location, or is there something else standing in the way? Yeah, so I wouldn't say necessarily that it's geography. Um, well, I mean, we live in the southeast where we don't all we don't even have all our teeth. We live in trailers. We don't know anything. Roll Tide, but go we hogs. yeah. <laughs> I'm an Auburn fan, by the way. It hurt me to say that. Yeah, but you know, we live in the southeast, oh. and people look at the southeast as uneducated. Some of the smartest security minds I know are from here. Are from here? Absolutely. And so I, I mean, is it I, geography? Is it, is it, or is it the, is it the HR people boogering us up that bad? Well, and I think I really do think that when they get in the way, 
They get in the way. They, do, they you just know, don't know what, what they're HR talking, does. They just don't know what they're talking about. I love you, HR. I I do. They don't know what they're talking about when it comes to cybersecurity. When it comes to cybersecurity or high-level IT, it's really hard, right? It's, just, it's understandable. It is 100% understandable. I mean, I, I don't um, know. I don't know anything about Okay, marketing's a bad example. I know a lot about marketing. I don't know anything about historian work. That was a really bad example, too. Bad example. There's a lot you know of other I'm things saying, he doesn't though. know a there lot about. There are things I don't know about. Um. So, but I I, I understand where I'm you're going math. from. I'm good at a lot of things. I understand Jordan. where you're coming from. So, with HR, I think that they can sometimes get in the way. I think that sometimes they can be a help. I have seen with one organization recently where I'm working with a VMS, which I normally despise. VMS bad. Despise normally, right? But they're doing it the right way, and they have someone from a agency background running the corporation side. So he understands what all the bad aspects of a VMS could be and made sure that they weren't in there. Mm. Does that make sense? Sure. And so it really worked out. Now, if we could have HR have some sort of cybersecurity or IT person in there so that we could get all of the good aspects that we need in the job description, I think that would be fantastic. But that's just never going to happen. So what I'm hearing you say is it's absolutely not tied to geography, location, or anything. It's, It's more so the company. It really is. It's like the company needs to have the right um, job description. It needs to have the right uh, workflow process. It needs to have the right um, hook, right? Because we ask, what's your hook? Like, What the hook going to be? <laughs> oh. What is your All I need is the track in the back. Sorry, Nelly, I'm sorry. I ruined it. Yeah, so what's your hook, right? Like, So what's your elevator speech? What gets people to want to come work for you? Um, what's your team environment? Like all of those things that needs to be in your job description. Why are we still writing fake freaking paper job descriptions? That's a fake. That's it's, a fantastic well, question. Well, Jordan, it's the way we've always done it. I don't freaking care. <laughs> so like these things are all great questions because it needs to be a video, right? This is who we're going to work for. Here's the video. I'm amazing. This is my position. Like, and you're going to come work for me. But, like, though, that way people are going to work for people and people are hiring people with personalities and talent. So they're talking their talent because people are really good at speaking what they're good at. They might not be great at writing what they're good at. And that that actually kind of, that sends me down a, a little bit of a rabbit hole. So if you have ever worked in IT, you know there's a large group of IT folks that wish to, um, when they're walking down the hall, they will look at the wall. It, we, we tend to be a socially awkward group. So from a hiring manager perspective, I think it's good to know that if you have someone in your office that's a little quirky, they're, I'm not, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look not at your eyes. It's that's not necessarily a negative. You need to come to terms with that. But also at the same time as an applicant, you need to be able to say, I'm your guy. Yeah. I'm here to help you. Yeah. You have the role. You have the need. And I have the ability to fill that. Yeah. Well, and also, like, 
hey, I saw your job description. I really liked your personality. This is me. This is my experience. Me, myself, and I. And here's my job. Here's my resume to back it up. Like, you can still have a paper resume, but at some point in time, we're going to we're going to get away from paper resumes or written resumes. Obviously they're not paper anymore, but (laughs) like, you know what I mean? A word document, like a PDF. I don't need that. Brad and I had a a whole podcast talking about how AI is going to replace all of us. So when it gets to that point, we're going to be drinking mojitos on a boat somewhere where the robots can't get us. But anyways, um, I hope I put, all the people in place that made those robots so that so they at least had money when they died yeah (laughs) so um that's that's the long and short of it right so the cybersecurity shortage is major bummer we can't find people that are worth a damn to fill the seats that we have right right um companies like stratus and people like jordan are you know fighting tooth over nail to do what they can to help fill those roles. And we're in a situation where, you know, if, if you have good people that are willing to do what's necessary to better themselves, because the biggest thing that I look for from a cyber security perspective is not necessarily, oh, you're a programmer or a network engineer or anything like that. It's you have self-motivation to self-start. Well, and I think um, with that point, too, like, I'm going to circle back around to something we talked in the beginning. That's the hook. That's the hook. That's the hook. Right? So, um, and you said it wasn't wasn't a promotion, but we are launching Gumption, right? And you have a great point there. Um, You know people that maybe you don't have a perfect spot for them. Absolutely. But that would be great for an XYZ position, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and you know that you know that they're good in cybersecurity for these positions because you're a cybersecurity professional, right? Um, so I'm a cybersecurity expert. So with Gumption, you would be able to take those candidates and send them a link. I don't um, have the hacker glasses, but that's true. He doesn't hacker man. Um, so you would be able to send them a link, and they would be able to sign in. Um, to that job description, look mm-hmm. over it, give you the thumbs up for them for you to submit them to it. And um, if they stay 90 days in that position, you would get paid the recruiter fee. Crowdsourcing of placement. Absolutely. I know a guy that knows the guy. You know, he could fill that role. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Uber, uh, I mean, the Uber of staffing, right? So, um, and then on the client side, you as a client, you say, you know, this position, I need gumption to vet them. Like, I don't want a thousand resumes. Um, I only want the top We five. want a thin herd because you can't post a role without getting 250 plus well, applicants. I- and they're from all abroad, which we are going to start posting job roles, by the way. So, uh, obviously, you guys will be part of the herd. Yeah. Um, and this video will play. This video will pay, not play. Drastic dividends when it comes to making sure you're top of the list, right? So, you know, helping you get roles. If you are, you know, it doesn't matter where you are in the world, you know, you can get a job anywhere yeah. if you follow these simple things. So. Yeah, I mean, like, so, and with and with Gumption, like, first of all, you can post as a hiring manager. And sometimes we have all seen it with 
other social post, job board post, right? You submit your resume and it goes to a black hole. Black hole. And you never the get abyss. a response, right? So hiring managers, hiring managers on Gumption will, can click bet, no black hole, right? They Those resumes come to us. We call all of them. We vet through all of them. Every candidate gets a response. Hey, doesn't look like you were a fit for this position. Looks like you're a fit. I would love to have a conversation. They get a video interview with us, and then we set them up with a hiring manager. Awesome. We move through it. If that job post got no feedback. Maybe you're the problem. Um, then we will take that job post, and we will then go actively recruit for that job post. Um so or maybe you're the problem. Yeah. Or it could be it could be it could be the, the organization that's the issue in that one. So Yeah. Um so gumption uh gumption would be huge. Like the difference between a gumption and a stratus is stratus is very concierge. You're the center of our world, right? Well, gumption is very hey, we want to make this easier and streamlined and allow you to set your workflow, which is very drag and drop. It's at scale. Yeah, and it's at scale. And so, like, Gumption is very um, – the hiring manager can even go in and set his own workflow and say, okay, a Gumption employee is going to set all of my interviews. Okay, this is interviews, Gumption employee tagged. And so every time he moves someone through the process, it gets to interview. It notifies, you know, our Gumption employee. Uh, that person sets up the interview with who he wants that person wants to interview, and it goes through the process. So, like, they get to set up their workflow versus us telling them what the workflow should be. Nice. Yeah. So you heard it here first. This is how you yeah. get into a role if you are a hiring organization. This is how you fix your process. Um, obviously, you're the ones that are broken because if we, you can't fill your roles, right? That's not, not true. No. At the end of the day, there's a lot of compromise on both sides. Applicants need to learn how to write the resumes and interview yeah. properly. Uh, hiring managers and or hiring organizations need to learn how to post a job description that is accurate. There is not a single role in the world that is entry level that requires five years experience. No. So um, hopefully this video provided a little bit of insight into the world of you know, hiring and whatever. I mean, we're, we're, we're cruising on an hour. This is our longest podcast ever. And I am eternally grateful to, uh, to Jordan for showing up from Stratus. Um, in the future, we will have an interview with Scott Franklin, her husband. He doesn't have pretty pink glasses. Though. He does not have pretty pink glasses, but he is yeah. a wonder whiz of staffing and he works for Stratus as well. Obviously he's one of the founding members um, so we look forward to having you on, Scott. He's off camera, but he's here in spirit and physical presence. But hopefully this provides you some insight into the world of cybersecurity, how to get into it, and what the hardships are, both from an organizational standpoint as well as an applicant standpoint. Do us a favor. If you like the content of this video, or even if you don't, hit the subscribe button, hit the like button, and hit the notify bell so that we can let you know when new content comes out. Maybe you'll like the next one if you didn't like this one. But anyways, until next time, we wish you a very happy... Actually, I don't know when this video is coming out, when it comes to the new year. So we wish you a happy future. And uh, we're going to go eat some food. Y'all have a wonderful night. Thank you. Thanks.